0: Welcome to the Internet History Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McCullough. If you're a Californian, then you might know Steve Wesley's name very well for reasons other than technology. After all, in the mid-2000s, Wesley was elected controller of California, essentially the chief financial officer of the entire state, and he also ran for governor of California in 2006. And in fact, if you listen to the end of this episode, he might again show up on a ballot for governor sometime in the very near future. But before his time in California government and politics, Steve Wesley was also one of the key early eBay executives, who was instrumental in transforming eBay from a niche hobbyist website into the global auctions and commerce powerhouse that we all know it as today. We've not yet gotten to eBay in our overall narrative yet, so think of this as a primer on eBay to whet your appetite for the story of eBay's founding, which will be coming very soon. In the meantime, you're going to very much enjoy this conversation with eBay's Senior Vice President, Steve Wesley. Steve Wesley, thanks for coming on the uh, Internet History Podcast. Happy to be here. Steve, I've, I've spoken to uh, about 50-odd people right now for th- this project, but I believe that you might have the distinction of being the first true Silicon Valley native. Is that right?
1: <laughs> I, I uh, am pretty much a native. i lived here for uh, over 50 years, and I'm about as local as you can get.
0: Uh, a graduate of Menlo Park Schools, I believe, right?
1: I went to the local public schools, K through uh, 12, and I'm very proud to have gone to uh, uh, to the Iowa Park
0: school system. It was great. And you're also a graduate of Stanford, which isn't quite that unique for the people we talk to, but uh, what what did you graduate from Stanford? What degrees?
1: Well, I I was lucky. You should understand my true commitment to Stanford here. I went to Stanford undergrad and got a degree in history. Mm -hmm. Then I went back to the graduate school of this. Then I went back yet again to teach at the faculty at the Graduate School of Business for five years, and that's germane, because that's where I met Jeff school.
0: uh, He was a student of yours at at Stanford?
1: He wasn't actually a student of mine, but I had two of his uh, roommates, Bill Levinson and Dave Sinman, and Dave Sinman is famous in eBay history because he uh, is the one who introduced Pierre to Jeff, so we were all kind of there in the beginning pierre was the founder jeff was the first ceo and i was uh around the rim they referred to me as the first adult supervision
0: and uh dave dave zinman has uh been on this podcast previously um before we get into to ebay and things like that can you tell me um uh, you were a director at netcom which was one of the the very first isps and also at some point probably one of the largest isps maybe in the world um was that your entree into web and, and net stuff, or how did, how, did you, how did you get involved with uh, NetCom?
1: Yeah, so first, got to understand this picture. You know, I'm teaching on the faculty at Stanford's Graduate School of Business. My parents are incredibly proud of me. It's prestigious, but, but I'm not making a heck of a lot of money. And I've got all these students that are, going into this thing called the internet. So I've got an MBA, a fancy MBA, and 12 years of executive experience, and now teaching. And I've got these students that, two or three or six or 12 months after leaving the business floor, will be making fortunes. And I'm thinking, I- I'm i not that dumb a guy. i, I got to figure out how to get in this internet thing. So I went and joined this company, NetCom, which is the answer to a great trivia question most people do not know.
0: Ooh, okay. That is
1: what is the first internet company to go public? And the answer is Netcom. Um, I uh, didn't have much equity, and the firm kind of uh, petered out for a whole host of reasons. And so I switched and went to work for another firm, and uh, it grew a little bit bigger, and they gave me more equity, but it uh, still wasn't everything I was looking for. In the meantime, you know, I was looking for. Firms that were really taking off They showed the ability to get to the next level, and uh, you know, again, Bill Levinson and Dave Zinman were giving the updates on uh, eBay and were singing uh, Jeff's soul praises. And I met with Jeff, and he was just my sort of guy. He was incredibly direct, straightforward, had a clear vision of the business model, and more than most of any executive I've ever met. Uh it really along the pier given thought to a corporate culture. And I just said, Hey, this is a place that I want to work for.
0: So uh they didn't recruit you, you or or was it kind of mutual? How did how did you exactly sign on?
1: No, I, I think it was mutual. They said, you know, to Jeff you've got to meet this guy. He is you know, there were some issues with the site and they were finalizing things and they changed the brand uh from uh, auction web to eBay and uh, the site had gone down a bit in the past and they thought they'd finally stabilized the uh, the platform and that's when they wanted to bring on again it, it to as adult supervision because I was I think at the robust age of maybe forty or forty one um, to basically put the Burmont steroids, to put business development deals in place to really grow the thing and, and it had a lot of intrinsic, you know, viral growth—people talking to people. But that really, it's nothing like what happens when you put a large deal in place with an AOL or a Yahoo or an Excite, and we all three.
0: Well, and and I—I uh, I, I will get to that in a second. But if we could uh, kind of uh, examine some some of those details. So the state of the company when when you when you join it is still sort of, like, like you said, you're, you're some of the first adult supervision, so it's still, the environment that, that, that you, you know, come into, is it still sort of the fly by the seat of the pants model that they had been getting by with for the, the previous year or so?
1: Yes. Uh, you know, I, I mean, yes and no. On the one hand, when I got there and interviewed, it, the place was still one one room. And so that's pretty tiny. And then, You know, literally the first week I came, we moved into a larger office, and I still remember, you know, people were sitting in, uh, like, beach chairs, and people wore shorts to work, and it was pretty darn uh, informal, and uh, there was a joke about me, and this has been written up in books, but our uh, team, I hired a number of Stanford MBAs, Richard Roth, Tom Adams, kind of we're wearing khaki pants and blue shirts and looking kind of conservative uh just everybody else i mean long pants was sort of made you look old at this point and uh did we change the culture a little bit but I, I don't want to say they were winging it before pierre was brilliant they've gone through this issue of community better than anybody else that's essentially laid the foundation for what is today you know facebook and a lot of social media um the firm was very quantitatively driven. We took it to another level, but uh, it, it was pretty darn tiny when I got there. And there were people in shorts and sitting in beach chairs, and I was thinking, oh my God, for the first few weeks, but as you track the numbers. I realized it was everything I believed it would be, and more.
0: And because what you're seeing is that the, the, the growth trajectory of not only the, the members, but also you know the auctions that they're hosting is just through the roof, right?
1: It's growing very, very quickly, and we're thinking, gosh, if it does this through word of mouth, just think what would happen if everybody, you know, and the Internet's just being explored, the numbers are growing dramatically, but if everybody who goes to AOL and sees auctions or Yahoo and sees auctions, clicks over to eBay, just think how quickly we could grow then, and, uh... We put deals in place with all of these companies, in faster order than
0: I think anybody anticipated. So, right, let's 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 get into that. So, you you and Tom and Richard, your your remit is basically to to bring in some of these big names. And are you specifically targeting um, the the portals uh, for the most part? Who is who is the big priority? Would it be the AOLs of the world or the Yahoos of the world?
1: No, it was the portals, and in order of importance, AOL far and away number one, followed by Yahoo, Excite, InfoSeek, Magellan was still around then. Those were the big dogs. But the real drama of the time was that the guys from AOL roughed everybody up. They were the 800-pound gorilla. They were tough to deal with. They were incredibly hard-nosed, and frankly, they took most small internet firms to the cleaners with deals that were very advantageous to them. Um, I actually liked the guys there a lot. Myra Burlow was the key guy. We worked closely with him, and within, I believe, 18 months, we put three deals in place with AOL. First was uh, like a $700,000 deal, and uh It was terms that were pretty favorable to AOL, but they sent us a lot of traffic. We came back, like, in six months and did a $7 million deal, and we came back about 12 months after that and did a huge, at the time, $70 million deal. And what AOL soon realized is that we'd gone from a little, you know, vassal state like all the others, so they could do whatever they wanted, to a firm that was rapidly becoming as big as they were, which is inconsistent at the time
0: and now of course has a much larger market cap Mm -hmm. um and i had read that that one of the reasons that um the the first deal with aol was was sort of smaller was because not only was aol maybe testing the waters but you guys certainly were too and and it was maybe a little controversial within the company so that first deal was sort of to see if this sort of marketing would really work for ebay right
1: yeah, so there's two important things to know. When you're successful, as successful as eBay was, when I arrived, and really the full credit goes to Pierre, and there was a head of an engineering named Mike Wilson, who was just a brilliant, brilliant guy. Uh, you know, they were, you know, things were pretty good. I mean, they needed a bunch of MBAs and white paper traffic. You know, we're getting plenty of traffic. But, you know, the smarter ones realize that when you're successful, you're going to get competition in a hurry. And what made you successful in the past may not be sufficient in the future. But I, I was opposed by most everybody in the firm at the prospect of doing deals with AOL, and I, I had to get smart, and I had to make a forceful case. And lucky enough for me, or I was lucky enough to know that you had to be quantitative about these things. And I brought in Richard Rock, who was really a quantitative genius, and Tom Adams was great at deals and legal um, you know, putting legal contracts in place. If we did something that no other internet firm had done, in fact, I do not believe any other firm in history had done. we quickly ascertained the life cycle value of a customer. And then we did something in a sign-up that no one had quite thought through at the time, but for everybody who became a user, We said, you must tell us, how did you hear about us? Was it from a friend, from AOL, from the internet, from radio, from print, horizontal, vertical? We wanted to know exactly. And for the first time ever, when we'd spend marketing dollars, we were able to do two things. We were able to tell exactly which marketing dollars were working, which ones weren't, which was revolutionary. And then second, we can compare which of those levers, horizontal print, vertical print, radio, internet, which ones gave us a larger return on our investment than we are paying. And this not only made us a juggernaut, a very successful company, it showed us how we could grow and make money on every dollar we invested. But at the time, a lot of other firms thought the internet was some sort of Gold mine, and you didn't actually have to make money with every dollar you spent. And there was a day of reckoning about three years later in 2000 when all sorts of internet firms that thought they were hot stuff, Pets.com comes to mind, ran out of money. And when the nuclear breeze came in 2000, uh, most all these firms went out of business except for Netcom because we'd been incredibly disciplined in
0: our spending and our targeting monthly dollars. And uh, like doing deals with, with the AOLs, you said that they were of the most important, they were number one on your list. Was that also a strategic decision? Because obviously, um, you know, they could be a very powerful potential competitor. So if you, if you do deals with, you know, specifically AOL, then maybe you keep them out, out of that game.
1: Yeah, so that was the key part that most people didn't understand. When we did the first deal with AOL, uh, and we were just a pimple. And part of the deal was, look, we'll overpay you a little bit. We just you know, we want an exclusive deal for now, and you know, we'll revisit in three or six months. We were so teeny, and auctions were so misunderstood. About the potential size of the space, they said, sure. And then once we realized this was working, I could take the data that Pierre and the board, uh, it was before Meg came on that uh, we quickly, I got support to do a much larger deal. And again, the board is highly skeptical. And there was one day where, and I think Meg may have joined by the time we did the second board, we literally jumped in a car with myself, and Meg, and uh, Richard Rock, and I think maybe Gary Benjia, the CFO, who'd come on board after I had, but understood the power of what we're doing and said, folks, this is real. This is what we have to do. <laughs> And fast forward a year after we got the non-compete from AOL and a bigger deal, everybody was realizing how quickly we were growing. But they'd agreed to not come into the space. And very shortly thereafter, um, Amazon and Yahoo came directly at us. And it's an interesting story because one of them, uh, Yahoo announced their auction product the day before we went public just to challenge us. And I think the day before we announced our secondary offering, Amazon uh, announced they were coming into the space. And we were just incredibly lucky. We had locked up most of our largest competitors by that time.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like, uh, you know, uh, 15, 20 years on, people don't remember that eBay had... Serious competition, and I mean, even going back to the early days, there were people like Auction Universe and On Sale. But um, I, I feel like, especially yeah. you know, Amazon threw a lot of, to- of money and resources at you guys. Um, was there ever was who who did you guys feel like at the time was was the biggest competitive threat that maybe could knock you guys off your perch at the at the top of of auctions? Well,
1: it changed. I mean, initially it was AOL far and away, but by the time we did the seventy million dollar deal with them, they were completely our partner. And again, strategically, that probably wasn't so smart for them. But you can probably imagine there was a senior executive that thought, "My God, a seventy million dollar deal in the early days of the internet! I've just I forget making my quarter or my year. I, I've just made my career." Someone walked off with a ton of dough at AOL and sales, but probably not the most strategic thing for them. Uh, it's. Uh, Terrible for MBA students. You need to pay attention to big issues. But for most of those years, Yahoo was dominant. There were five uh, portals: Yahoo, Excite, Infoseek, Lycos, and Magellan. We put deals in place with all of them. In fact, one of the funny stories is uh, it was Yahoo them all up and became dominant. It was inconceivable that Google would ever compete with them or pass them. And like uh, Yahoo was competing with us, we again found salespeople in different parts of the firm that did not know or fully appreciate they were watching auctions. They were trying to make quotas and we were still buying um, keywords from Yahoo. So even when they were competing with us, they had not quite pieced together. They were still sending traffic to us some of the most efficacious
0: sections of their side and you mentioned MBA students um, really as it, seeing off Yahoo auctions and and uh, Amazon auctions is really sort of like the 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 case study in in business schools for for network effects and and how um, you competitors couldn't overcome the competitive moat that you guys had where you were where the the buyers were and the sellers were, and, and a competitor couldn't artificially create a, you know something to rival that even for all the money in the world.
1: Yeah, but I'd be a little careful about the network effects issue because it's important to know when eBay started, it was nowhere close to the biggest auction site. On sale was bigger. There were other sites that were bigger, mm-hmm. and they should have won. But we really thought through the community issues Pierre was incredibly quantitative. Jeff was incredibly quantitative. They just figured out a better business model. They listened to their customers better. And they understood the power of building a community. That's what propelled us by the others. Without that, all the business all the deals in the world that I could have brought in probably wouldn't have mattered without Jeff and Pierre and to an extent Mike Wilson. But I was perhaps the fortunate compliment to those guys because they... Really set the foundation.
0: Um, were, you, you were there previous to uh, Meg Whitman coming on as, as CEO, correct?
1: Right, and I came in August. She came, uh, I think, in April. So about uh, you know eight, eight months later, maybe.
0: Were you involved at all in um, you know the, the, when they were shopping around for for a CEO?
1: Oh yeah, no. We interviewed all sorts of people, and it was funny because eBay is all about humility, being down to earth, we all sat in cubes, and, you know, some of these people wanted huge salaries, and they showed up in limos, and you can just sort of tell, they would never understand that eBay was first and foremost a community-based site. Uh, it was not about big, fancy executives. Um, and Meg, uh, you know, had a little bit of that, but was pretty down to earth, and I think she really was smart enough to get the culture and uh, turned out to be a great fit for the
0: company right aside from being down down to earth what do you in your opinion what what were the major factors that um allowed meg's tenure at at ebay to be so successful
1: let me tell you a story i think this will give you some color I, i still remember the day that makes it look I'm I'm a marketing expert, this is what I do, I build brands, I've been doing marketing for all my life, you know, I can teach you guys a lot. You know, I was the VP of marketing. I'd say, okay, got it, yeah, you know, I believe it, you got a good great background. And she would say, I you know, I, I can just look at companies, let me just tell you, the perfect place for us to be advertising is Parade magazine, Sunday papers, we're gonna reach Middle America, you know, I've I've got this nail. And I said, okay, well, that's terrific, Mick. Uh, you know, What'd you think if I told you, I can tell you exactly what sort of return we're going to get on investment for an advertisement and parade? She said, well, you know, no one knows. You know, it's 50% of marketing dollars are wasted. You never know which 50%. And How you know would you know? And I said, well, it's just when I told you, we've already produced life cycle value of a customer. And we put this new thing in registration, which everybody was a little pissed off at me for, but I now know exactly where our users are coming from. And these aren't the exact numbers, but in a nutshell, whenever we do a radio ad, we're, we're getting like 21 cents back for every dollar we're getting in new customers. And for horizontal ads and papers like parade, we're getting like 31 cents back. When you pay out a dollar, you get 31 cents back. That, that's not very good. And vertical print, it's interesting. That's like forky, hobby magazines, car magazines, doll magazines, baseball card magazines. We're getting like 61 cents back That was a pretty good return, but you're still losing money on every dollar. And then I explained that if she wanted, we could buy more internet advertising 'cause our online marketing for every dollar we spent, I could bring back a dollar thirty one.
0: So you would be- basically
1: said, holy, holy cow, that never happens in marketing. You just explain the size of your launch why it's okay, we're making it up as good branding. She said, for every dollar we spent we bring back more than that, then we should be throwing as much as we can into marketing. And I said, That is essentially true. And that was the message we told to the board that led to them Making a seventy billion dollar bet on AOL. And by the way, when we did our IPO, uh, the people told me, you know, that was a pretty smart thing that you had an exclusive of AOL and you had them locked out along with site and it goes to the others. And I think she was very uh, appreciative of what we put together in early days. So,
0: Um, let's talk also about uh, eventually you get involved with some of the the eBay international expansions I'm curious to know how difficult was it to I mean early on eBay had to convince people that you know online auctions could be trusted that people can be trusted was it difficult to then convince people in from other cultures uh, that this eBay model could work did you even know that it could work in other cultures
1: So, a couple of points. There was good news, bad news for me when I took over international. And at the time, you know, I was running marketing, business development, sales, M&A, and international. So, I kind of had my hands full. Um, and the good news was, this is a very big deal. We knew that human beings were wired the same everywhere in the world. They love the thrill of the hunt, especially men, and they love to collect and to commune and talk about their collections, especially women. And obviously some women love the thrill of the hunt, some men love to fill out collections and then chat about it. But it, it was global. It's universal. And so one of the first Sites we had was in Germany, and ironically, it was put together by another company called Alondo, which we purchased. And we realized that this is a site everybody derided and joked about. It's nothing more than a Beanie Baby or baseball card site. And for God's sake, who, you know, what people in a sophisticated country like Germany or England are going to fool out of that? But we realized the numbers, and we're a very, very quantitative company. There were more people on eBay in Germany per capita than we we're in America. That's when we knew it was universal. So the good news is everybody on the planet liked doing this, and that was just a matter of execution. So that was the good news. The bad news is we started sites internationally. We started them without having to pay a few cents the list. What we call the listing fee, usually just 25 cents. And the result of that, on the positive side, is you get a lot of traction and a lot of people a bunch of stuff. So it looks like you're really doing something big. The bad side is, which is what most other auction sites did, is people put up a lot of junk and they don't care whether it sells or not. And you end up with a junkie site. And I had not realized the power of this, but I learned this from Pierre. And so when I took over international. I said, hey, guys, we're, we're, we're not doing here what Pierre taught us to do. And that is people are not perceived as any value in your site unless you're required to pay a little bit, maybe $0.25. Cents. And so when I took over international, I had to go to these groups of young people in Germany and England and Australia and say, folks, you're going to have to start charging. And they hated me for this because the minute you do that, the amount of stuff on your site drops by not 5 or 10%, but by like 80% or 85%. And it looks like you're killing the site. In fact, you're making it stronger because you still have a lot of people coming to your site but instead of having a lot of crappy items, you now have items that sellers really care about because they're willing to make a small investment in it. and you start getting good stuff. If you still have a lot of visitors you have good stuff, everybody starts coming to your site. And so, I was dreadfully unpopular in every country for doing this. Um, but it turned out to be the right thing to do, and I was treating these people awfully well because I knew I was not popular, and everybody said what well, you can imagine they would say, which is, what the hell do Americans know about German sites or a site in Australia or England? will the experts. And I actually had to explain, actually, the real expert's Pierre. It, he's a genius, and he's really thought this through in chat. So uh, it, uh, it worked pretty well, and I, I was glad I listened to Pierre.
0: So it, it proved that it, it was a universal thing. The model, the model could work anywhere.
1: It was a universal thing, but the other part of these kind of universal laws of community is that people perceive value when you pay for something. And if everything is free, they often don't perceive much value to it. And or they use the resources recklessly. VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
0: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
1: Learn more at meta.com/metaverse Impact:
0: I wonder if you could um, recollect some details around another incident. Um, around June of '99, uh, famously, eBay, uh, the site went down and you know that's not common this is early internet day not uncommon i should say it's early internet days you know aol had its famous uh, america on hold period and things like that but uh, i had forgotten until the research reminded me that uh when ebay went down in in june of 99 it was rather dire there was some concern that maybe the entire site was wiped would, would be wiped out including all of all customer records all all you know the the community reputation records, all that stuff, and I believe you were one of the people that had to go before the media and and the community to to explain all that. Was that really a really a scary period? Did you really feel like, man, this might really all go away? Um,
1: uh, that was incredibly scary. Uh, I had a bit of a background in politics, so I was used to speaking to the media. Um, but here's what happened The, the site had gone down a lot. But it would go down for, you know, a minute or three minutes or seven minutes. And one of the concerns was engineering wasn't always admitting it because he wants to tell the boss uh, the site's gone down. And so there was, you know, perhaps not all the tracking or candor about <laughs> how often the site was going down. It was clearly becoming more unstable. And then one day it went down. And, you know, we always call engineering. I start getting calls like crazy from the media. And we're saying, well, you know, how long did it gonna take? You know, five minutes, ten, fifteen, Dean and they said, I don't know. We said, What do you mean, don't no? And you know, MAG was uh, loud at this time. And it was not pleasant. And I don't think we thought the machine would go down forever, we'd lose customer records. But, you know, we're doing something I forget, but like 10,000 auctions, 20,000 auctions an hour. So if you're down for several hours, you're, you, you know, you get into the hundreds of thousands. Of, and we were down. Uh, I forget the actual time, I don't know, 14 hours, 11 hours, 17, something dreadful. But I do remember you a know, me Meg and saying, Meg, uh, the media's here. They're coming, and they're coming in droves, and we're talking radio, TV, trucks, the works, and Meg said, you know, tell them not to come. <laughs> uh, one, I can't tell them not to come, and two, there are at least three TV trucks in our parking lot right now and someone is going to go out and speak to them in the next 10 minutes and it's going to be you or me and you're the CEO, you get to choose. And she said, great, you go. (laughs) I said, okay, you know, yeah, okay, got it. we, We must say something. You cannot say nothing when this is happening. And, you know, I went out and tried to assure our users we would take full responsibility. It was our fault. We we're doing everything possible to fix it. And we keep them informed. And as anybody knows, it's been on an airplane. Uh, people get grumpy when the plane doesn't leave on time or there's a mechanical problem. But the pilot talks to you every few minutes and is candid and explains whatever he knows. It's a lot better. And when the guy just goes quiet, quiet, that's not good. And the whole thing that Pierre taught us is it was about community. It's about being honest with people. And uh, other than the fact, I think I smiled a little too much. It was pretty, otherwise, a pretty dire time. I think people realized that we went on, we were candid, we didn't hide, and we apologized. And there was this moment uh, a few days later, once it was up and running again, that we'd lost millions and millions of dollars of uh, potential listing fees. There was a question of whether we refunded all the money for people whose auctions hadn't gone through, and it was sort of a mess and we've made promises about earnings and you know, we all sat each other and we weren't obligated to give everybody's uh, money back that had an auction up at that time and we all said, Well gee, do we risk blowing our earnings for the quarter? And we were still profitable. In fact eBay I think it's probably the only company that's been profitable every quarter of its existence. But we're gonna miss miss our earnings and It was literally literally a five minute discussion because everybody in the senior team, you know, Meg, Pierre, Jeff said, this is a no brainer. All that matters here is trust and reputation. We're giving the money back. And so we did. And when Meg left in an earnings call, she said, look, we're coming up short. I said, sorry, we've never missed uh, earnings before, but there's something more important and that's that we believe in treating our customers well. And I think that Whole period actually increased the value of the company, and it too, I think, is a parable for MBA students that doing the right thing and protecting your brand is a lot more important than scoring the wild earnings in any particular quarter.
0: You, uh, I believe you, you left eBay around the year 2000. Is that right? Correct. Um, so, uh, sorry, sorry, go ahead.
1: Stay. I uh, said I left to run for
0: state controller. Right, um, th- I I remember eBay as not only you know one of the survivors of the dot com um, bust, but also a, a company that was thriving you know through the dot com bust. I I know that you left around this time, but what was the state of of um, the company through the dot com bust? Was were your numbers still continuing to go up? Were were, were auctions still growing? Membership still growing?
1: Yeah, and that's why the earlier point I mentioned was so important. One, we had a community that supported us, but two, we really thought through our business model, and we figured out how in marketing to grow the company so that we were making money with every marketing dollar we spent once we were still getting good word of mouth. Most firms were losing money hand over fist, and they were saying, well, that's okay. We'll raise another venture around, and venture capitalists, you know, a lot of them had these firms that are worth a billion dollars on paper and uh it was the real bubble. And eBay, we never did that. Pierre, Jeff, myself, my team were all very numbers-oriented. We were profitable every quarter. And so when the day of reckoning came, kind of like the story of Ant and Grasshopper, everybody else pretty much collapsed, and eBay did better than ever. And so our stock went down a little bit in Q4 of 99 and through 2000. But uh, it was right back up within um, you know, a very short time, within a year later, it had doubled. So eBay powered right through the recession, and it wasn't a coincidence. It's because we've been incredibly disciplined about the numbers. And, you know, There's another parable. If you think the market's always going to go up and to the right, you may find yourself surprised.
0: Well, uh, you've alluded to it uh, several times, um, but we should mention that um, you've also been involved in, in politics in various capacities, uh, all throughout your professional life. And as you mentioned, you, you ran for and, um, became the controller of the state of California. And also you ran for uh, governor of California in 2005, 2006. I'm just curious. I know this is sort of a, <laughs> a, a an all over the place question, but how would you compare, um, Operating in politics and in government with uh, operating in, in business and technology.
1: Well, they're radically, radically different, which uh, so I like to joke. I, uh, um, you know, used to sit in a very teeny cube at eBay and made a uh, ton of money. And when I was state controller, I had a huge palatial office and made almost no money. Um, But working at eBay was probably the most fun thing I ever did in my life. Uh, Holding public office is important, and uh, I'm glad I was there when I was. The state suffered a huge financial crisis when I was the controller, and I actually did something I'm proud of to this day, which was fairly controversial, but I crossed party lines to work cooperatively with the Republican governor to make sure that. The state of California did not default. It did not, you know, essentially uh, go bankrupt because we were, at the time, the world's fifth largest economy, and I was not going to put the state or the state's employees at risk uh, for political gain, and I think uh, Governor Schwarzenegger appreciated that. and It's something I'm proud of to this day.
0: Well, to that end, and, and as I mentioned, I mean, you've been uh, on and off involved in politics going back to the very beginning of your career, and I sort of feel like that maybe that's a that's a, a, an itch that you maybe don't grow out of scratching, and so I'm curious if, if you would ever consider um, uh, running for office again.
1: Uh, no, I think I'm very likely to run for office again, and it's something uh, that... Uh, you know, we're looking at now, and it's highly likely I'll run for office in 2018, so stay tuned.
0: Well, excellent. Um, well, Steve Wesley, thank you thank you so much for remembering all these great details ab- about the, the story of, of eBay and also the, the fascinating story of your career.
1: Look, I'm not happy to do it. I was very, very lucky to have worked there. I will always be grateful to Jeff School for hiring me. Uh, Pierre is a uh, genius, and the group of people there that I worked with were uh, a stunning group of uh, people. Uh, Richard Rock, Tom Adams, Mary Lou Song, um, Mike Jacobson, and Maynard uh, Webb were just stunning people. I was lucky to uh, work with uh, everyone. And Mike, Mike Jacobson, I, I want to uh, mention. In fact, here's one other quick story for sure, you that I think sure. is worth touching on. Usually the guy running business development is always in a bite with the person running engineering because they can't get you know the new features and the deals done as quickly as you want. Um, Maynard Webb is one of the best allies and associates I've had in my life. And the other uh, person was extraordinary is Mike Jacobson. And again, if you're in business development or sales, the bane of your existence is usually the general counsel who wants to slow things down and have big agreements. And Mike and I realized early on, I said, look, I can make this company enormous, but we we have a 20-page contract. That's not going to fly. We have to move at the speed of the Internet. And because I had such a good relationship with Mike, I was able to convince him that we were doing two types of deals, little deals that didn't require um, nearly as much uh, legal documentation and big deals where you really did need to be careful and have longer agreements. But I was able to convince Mike to allow us to use a two-page deal for small deals. And I said, you all are not going to believe this, but at some point here, I believe we can. my team can put as many as one deal per day in place and that is a speed that people just couldn't couldn't conceive of but we did that and that's part of why eBay grew so quickly no one no one could dream of a firm that would do a deal a day and I'll give you just one specific case because it's a little hard to understand mm-hmm. but it was one year where this thing called the Furby became the hottest thing in the world. I remember, yeah. Boy, everybody wanted a Furby. I said to my team, great, go find the biggest Furby sites in the world and we're going to sign exclusive agreements with all of them. And so we ran out, tracked them all down and the interesting thing was um, that uh, you could kind of guess who The main sites would be, you know, it was going to be, I think, I forget, it was Mattel or whoever the company is, and they were the one of the top ten that wouldn't sign with us, so that was no surprise. But um, we looked at all these other sites and toy companies and so on and so on, and basically we signed deals with all of them. And so we got literally anybody who had even the remotest interest in Furby ended up at our site. But the fun fact is the person who had the second largest site hmm. was not a company. It was a 15-year-old kid in Canada. And he had just deconstructed these things, understood the chips inside. He knew more about ferbies than anybody on the planet. Maybe more than the tell people. It was stunning. And uh, I was like, kidding, a 15-year-old? They're saying the guy had like you know, a million hits a day. It was mind-boggling. And so our team put a deal in place and I ended up having to talk to the kid's mother and convince her I was a good guy, and we ended up signing the deal, and we made a boatload of money that probably put him through college. But the sort of thing that we were doing that other people just weren't quite figuring out.
0: Well, those are the those are the the details and the stories of you know behind these companies that have changed all of our lives that we're trying to preserve. So. Uh, that's exactly uh, what what we look for on this podcast, and I, I thank you again for um, taking the time to uh, to remember all that for us. Well,
1: look, you bet. Go have a uh, great day. Good to talk to you.
0: If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. There's plenty more great Internet history where that came from. And if you're a longtime listener, then you know what to do to help us out. Rate and review us on iTunes. Because iTunes gives credit to reviews and ratings, and the more great reviews we get, the more people will discover us. As always, there's more info on our website, www.internethistorypodcast.com. The show's Twitter handle is Pod, and my personal Twitter is at MCC. Thanks for listening.